there, I'm Leslie Goodburn. You're listening to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. In the podcast, we look at pancreatic cancer across its impacts, outcomes, and future treatment and support. We'll hear from patients, loved ones about the reality of the diagnosis. We'll hear from surgeons, oncologists, and nurses about the work they do to support people who are affected. We'll hear about the wonderful work done by researchers to find a breakthrough in understanding and treatments for the future. We hope that as a result of the podcast, you'll learn more about the signs and symptoms, about how this diagnosis affects the family, about the hope for the future. Thank you for listening. Charlotte and I look forward to you joining us on our journey through pancreatic cancer throughout the 30 days of November with contributors from across the world. The Purple Rainbow podcasts are produced as part of Seth's legacy in memory of my wonderful, kind, curious, funny husband, Seth Goodburn. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Charlotte and today I am having a conversation with Dr. Alex Ney. Alex is a clinical research fellow at University College London. So I thought the best thing to do to start the conversation would be to ask him what it is he's doing there. I basically am a clinician with a background in in general surgery. And I um, um, think it was 2016 when I took a a research project project under a master's degree. Um, And one of the components was uh, was, um, the um, study of novel therapies with pancreatic cancer. And then I kind of decided I like the the field of research. Obviously, you can make a bit more impact um, than, well, surgery and then i decided to stay for a phd basically to um to do more research um so my my work as a clinical research fellow is basically um doing research which is not just basic science um just not just working with cells and so on but also working with patients and um more translation aspect of of um, the research as, as people know it um, so this basically um, involves uh, working with, uh, so in, in my field, uh, which is the early detection of pancreatic cancer, um, we're looking into biomarkers um, to early detect pancreatic cancer. Um, and this involves working with patients and, and clinical samples um, and then translating the findings into an actual um, diagnostic tool that you can potentially um, use later on in clinic. So it sounds like you're very busy. It is busy times. Uh, lots of work. There's lots of aspects of of, of the you know, the work that we do. We've got a fantastic team and and a lot of streams of um, research, both um, in the in the field of therapy and in the field of uh, detection. So yeah, it's it's quite a lot of work that we uh, we have. Yeah. What are you looking at at the moment in particular? What's your research sort of focusing on at the moment? All right. So, um, fantastic question. Well, we've got quite a few. So the group, um, in general focuses on, um, early detection of both pancreatic cancer and cholangiocarcinoma, which is, um, another type of, of cancer of the, the biliary tract. Um, some aspects of the, the work include developing novel therapies. Um, maybe some of the patients have heard about, um, light-based therapies that this is led by, um, uh, my colleague, um, also leads the, the basic science, uh, aspect of our um, work, uh, Dr. Pilar Acido, um, and we all work under the supervision of Professor uh, Stephen Pereira, who's basically the, the head of the Early Detection Research Alliance um, that um, uh, deals with the with basically the ADAPTS project, um, as we know it, uh, so, uh, which uh, aims to, to develop a, a biomarker test um, that will be implemented for early detection. 
Early detection is just something that's so vital when it comes to pancreatic cancer, isn't it? It is. It's 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 quite a complicated um, aspect of things, basically, because uh, there are quite quite a few challenges that um, hinder um, the early detection or identification of patients. Um, one of the one of the unfortunate things about pancreatic cancer is the fact that the majority of patients present um, late um, into the disease, and then the uh, treatment options are are quite limited. So you're absolutely right there. Um, but um, some of the aspects that we've been looking into over the years, so this is not just you know something that can be done weeks or months, but uh, years, is to try and identify uh, patients who are at higher risk uh, for developing pancreatic cancer, who will be piloted as you know population that we can actually. Um, follow up and, and screen, uh, considering the fact that the, the tools that we've got these days are not really accurate and not sufficient enough to screen the entire population. But then, so just going back to your question, that's one of the aspects of the, um, the work that we do, um, identify those patients that can be, um, can be followed up and, and uh, investigated to see whether they will end up developing pancreatic cancer or not. Um, the other thing is just improving on the the, the, the tool. So um, the blood markers that we have these days are not accurate enough. So one of the aspects of the work is indeed developing better and more accurate uh, um, tests that can be implemented for patients, for example, with um, sp specific symptoms uh, that presents to, to their GPs. Um, with now, um, the problem with this is, and again, over the years, we've, we've looked into a lot of symptoms that um, overlap with benign, other benign conditions and, and diseases that are not necessarily will manifest and end up being pancreatic cancer. But still, um, these offer um, opportunities for us to to test those patients and then do go with, um, I would say, early detection as in, in trying to catch the tumor at, a, at an early stage where, where it's still operable and uh, hopefully curative um, from a you know, surgical point of view. You mentioned a little bit about about your background, but why was it pancreatic cancer in particular that was the research area that you you chose? Yeah, so um, I mean, I was you know, there's lots of types of doctors and and, and things. I went into surgery because um, I, I wanted to do something that I'm good with, and I, I was quite good with my my hands. And um, life kind of led me into. Um, into general surgery and then um, I developed interest into hepatobiliary uh, surgery and, and that kind of stuff. So that's what made me pursue the um, research in that field. Um, to be honest, I've got some some family background as well of um, pancreatic cancer history of, of pancreatic cancer in the family. So um, this so the, so the kind of the attraction to this topic was was on on, on different aspects and, and levels. Um, but uh, the fact is that you know there's there's a lot of work um, these days when it comes to cancer that a lot of a lot of things have been achieved both in the in the field of detection and the field of management of other cancer more common cancers, um, but but here we're talking about one of the one of the nasty ones and and um, unfortunately you know there's a lot of work that can be done and the um, the gaps in knowledge and the gaps in our understanding that these are quite quite poor at this stage so. Um, this is that's a this is a more challenging and interesting work from from a research point of view um, as well, not just a clinical point of view. It's something I hear a lot actually from from researchers, from clinicians that they've become really interested and really involved in this area because there is that there, those gaps are so big and there is so much to be done. It's almost like a a challenge in a in a way in a good like a good challenge to kind of 
take on and, and do something about it. Um, absolutely. Um, I mean, pancreatic cancer is is complex on on so many levels, both the biology and um, the time that you know we have to to intervene and, and try and, and improve the outcomes in, in um, this sense. Um, so so the challenge is is yeah, it's it's quite complex, but. Um, we are working at, and and obviously, I mean, and I think one of the reasons I wanted to to come in and join and talk on the podcast today is just to kind of emphasize that, um, especially feeding into the, um, the the workshop that we had with uh, with Leslie and um, last year, uh, which I'll I'll touch into in a bit, um, is, is is basically bridging those gaps that you're talking about, and and there's huge gaps within patients and 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 families and clinicians and researchers that we need to get because at the end of the day we're all working towards um, you know, the same goal, um, and and it's just that we need to improve the uh, you know the way we communicate, the way um, we work together um, to that to that aim. And how do we do that? How do we improve that? That's a fantastic question. question. <laughs> it is, it is, and then this is all about the the workshop. So, so about a year ago, we um, I met Leslie um, uh, during a, a workshop that was initiated by um, UCL Vice uh, and uh, led by uh, by Molly McLeod, and um, who's basically an artist. Uh, and and her project was uh, involved bringing together um, artists, clinicians, uh, scientists, and patients and their carers to to talk about you know these specific gaps and what we need um, from each other to help. And it was a fantastic workshop where we we, we talked about things, that, you know, kind of um, having difficult topics. Um, and then we, we worked together to, to form an art piece that uh, that was basically analyzed by an artificial intelligence and um, to, to produce this this art piece. And the, the whole idea was to um, to show, to translate how how the information and things we talk about, basically the data, uh, gets translated and used and shared. And one of the aspects uh, that that came, one of the gaps was was the fear about you know data protection and and patients fearing for their privacy. But uh, what what we try to emphasize in the in the actual workshop is that um, this data is very essential for scientists um, to make progress. So um, when we talk about the results. Of, of tests and imaging and and clinical data about you know the, the story the experiences the story the, the it, it, this is the so vast so so it's not just the actual clinical data but basically gathering everything and using it to um, to improve on uh, everything from you know from therapy this is very essential for for developing new drugs it's it's for developing diagnostic uh, um, tools and basically it was we were there to kind of try and answer questions and, and bridge the gaps uh, when it comes to um, patients fearing about um, their data getting into you know the wrong hands and that sort of stuff and this is what holds them back from uh, participating in, in research projects and clinical trials um, yeah but you can understand where patients come from I think because it's so deeply personal it's so deeply private that you can understand that that fear that their data is going to be sold on. It's going to be used for the, you know, in the wrong way, in the way that they haven't consented to. How do you, how do you bridge that gap? How do you get those messages across? Um, that's a very good question, actually. And and uh, we, we've got, I mean, looking at that data, we have to we have to remember um, to start with that we are as scientists and, and clinicians, we're looking at the data as a whole, so not just the the, the individual within the um, within. So it's not 
it's not about the individual data and you know individuals privacy we're looking at the data as as, as a collective and trying to draw conclusions so so kind of the this also offers a safety net because we're not really interested in in the actual uh, you know private details or, or specific identif identifying information and that kind of stuff which is looking at proteins and and um uh, you know imaging which which get we have we have tools um under our belt to um protect patients as well both from 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 the data and this is uh we anonymize the data this is all you know saved uh, saved on, on safe databases and um it's this is not just blinded to uh to the researchers but obviously when we disseminate the data um, it's all blinded and, and and protected so no one actually has um uh, access to the to identifiable data, or we, we you, you're absolutely right. We live in a digital world where you know there's lots of data leakages, and, and we hear in the news about about invasion of privacy and sharing of that. But this is not really the essence of what we do. So, at the first stage, when we actually approach a patient and we collect the data, we completely separate their identifiers um, from the data that we actually collect and use and, and disseminate it uh, among ourselves for for the for the um, for research purposes. Um, and then again, there's no um, I can hardly, you know, the malicious intents within this field is a bit, a bit, it's a bit a difficult one because no, no one actually has this. This doesn't reach any commercial um, companies or anything like that that will be using any private information. But um, I, what I, I want to, I want to emphasize. Uh, just some, some difficulties that we're also facing from that point of view. Um, so one of the brilliant researchers and engineer, Esther uh, Bonmati, who was also part of the, the workshop, has developed a, a very um, interesting artificial-based uh, intelligence tools that looks at uh, imaging uh, from patients with uh, before cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer and during you know, and healthy patients as well, or patients with benign diseases. And, and the, the computer basically collects and has to look at, at um, a huge amount of, of imaging images that we, um, in order to kind of, uh, you know, develop a, a digital tool to differentiate uh, cancer from non-cancer um, cases. Um, but basically, we are very limited because now one of the difficulties is that we cannot continue with this project because um, imaging, the, the actual images without the patient data also count as uh, private data, so we need to work around that. But, but you, you understand what I'm trying to, to get to. So it's um, we have to we kind of have to bridge this. We have to bridge the gaps. We have to overcome these challenges because at the end of the day, without this data, they won't we won't be able to um, make the fantastic project. And there's so many great ideas out there that we just need patients' help and uh, patients' help and and um, everyone's contribution to this. And and we can only assure that we are doing the best we can to to protect the data and safety measures are taken so what's coming up what have you got i don't you know you sort of mentioned what you're working on but what's what what kind of things are you looking ahead to at the moment all right so we've just uh under the adapt study i think uh, obviously there were, there were some um, you know challenges with, with with covid as well and some other geopolitical um events that kind of um no, made our lives difficult in the last couple of years, but with uh, I think we've done a tremendous amount of progress with the ADEP study. So I'm just going to talk briefly about the the, the ADEP study, if you don't mind. Just um, this this basically we we have a lot of patients involved in this, and, and this all relies on collecting um, samples from. So this is blood and urine samples as well that we analyze for biomarkers, and we we've actually got to a point where we can we can draw some conclusions on you know um, samples taken from from pancreatic cancer patients and, and people with benign diseases and healthy individuals as well um, and we've got a good um, good amount of, of data to be able to to share some exciting findings when, when it comes to these uh, you know biomarkers that we identified 
um, uh, we've got this, we've got, uh, yeah, um, and um, models that we were developing um, to to both discover biomarkers and both test new treatments that uh, um, that are in, you know, being worked on now and, and um, at a very advanced stage. Um, and um, yeah, I think that it's just you know this is not just for pancreatic cancer, but also other cancers like cholangiocarcinoma. So um, the, the, the work is there. We are trying to to make progress. Thank you so much to Alex for taking the time to talk to us today. Really appreciated the conversation and those reassurances, especially around uh, data when you're taking part in uh, clinical trials and, and research. Don't forget the podcast is with us every weekday throughout to November. So every Monday to Friday, you can get an episode. So if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, best thing you can do is uh, find the button that says follow the podcast. That means it'll come to you every single time we put an episode out. And of course, you can go to our website, purplerainbow.co.uk.